Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Mad Nucleus Podcast. And I'm your host, for those that do know and those that don't know, I'm Justin Felton. And thank you all for listening once again. And make sure you sign up to Spotify and Anchor. All you need is your email, make up a password, and you're all set. Okay, today's episode evolves around entertainment, as I promised you all. And where should I start? Hmm, any suggestions? Well, since I'm doing this show and we're going to be here for a while, I'm going to start with, just to get it out the way, I'm going to start with the movie that was in production by the name of Rust. It's going to be a taboo subject here. Uh, We're going to discuss what went on, what, you know, you know, the future precautions and everything in between, you know. And we're going to talk about other stuff that'll make you happy, make you mad, make you sad. You know, but we're going to start with Russ. So, several weeks ago, there was a movie in production called Rust that starred Alec Baldwin. And on set, a tragedy occurred. Now, you've heard of tragedies occurring on set where stuntmen and stuff dying in accidents and stuff. But this was a different type of accident that has happened a couple of times before it doesn't happen often but it's very sad this accident happened to involve uh props you know and this movie is a western and anybody that knows westerns it involves firearms pistols and rifles and gatling guns and cannons and stuff like that and In particular, in one scene, they were having a shootout or somebody was using a gun and Alec Baldwin was the one with the gun in his hand and he accidentally shot the cinematographer of the film who happened to, you know, who's right there. You know, the cinematographer has to be right there and tragically she died. Um, And this has happened before, but it doesn't happen often and, you know, and it shook up the industry. And the industry is now calling for more extreme measures to occur on set of these movies that require, you know, gunfights and things like that. But, you know, um, we haven't had a tragedy like this since 1993 uh, on the set of The Crow with Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee, as you know, is the son of Bruce Lee, the legendary icon himself. And, you know, The Crow is a movie that's loved by all. Everybody who's seen that movie loves that movie. That movie, I don't see how you cannot like that movie. But on set, you know, he was shot and killed by another actor, you know, using a prop gun. They were using live rounds and bullets and stuff like that. And nobody bothered. I can't say nobody bothered to check. I would not sit up there and say somebody loafed on the job on purpose, but somebody did not check them properly, I should say. And, you know, I can't imagine somebody going through something like that, being on the receiving end, or the giving in, however you want to look at it, 
I can't imagine how somebody would feel. And the first thing I was thinking what happened on this movie of of the name of Russ was let's get all the actors some psychiatric help, man, because that's an ordeal nobody with a with a kind heart or a great mind should ever go through. In particular, Alec Baldwin, who was the unintentional trigger man. Um, I would have said, yeah, get get him some some psychiatric help. The man might have a nervous breakdown and might be depressed. And, you know, it would be the end of Alec Baldwin's career or the end of Alec Baldwin because he may, you know, think of suicide or killing himself or, you know, you know, because he wouldn't deliberately or intentionally hurt anybody like that. You know, they're shooting a movie you know, with plenty of action, gunfights and things like that. And it happens. And he's been in plenty of movies like that. And, you know, he never anticipated something like that to happen. And, you know, we got to get pe- him and all the people on set some help. The people who witnessed it, the people who was there, you know, get them all some psych- psychiatric help, you know, first and foremost. Because like I said, nobody should ever have to endure that type of ordeal. Secondly, they're calling for uh, more extreme measures of gun safety and control on sets, having people police, having the police on set of these movies and stuff. Every time there's a shootout or something like that and, you know, checking the ammo properly, they they, they really need to uh, do something because there was a story that came out, what was it, last week or something like that, that... Um, the prop per, uh, person hired for that film had a reputation of being pretty sketchy, you know, kind of so-so with his work and stuff like that. And you got to really be careful who you hire. And maybe he was the only person available at the time. I don't know. I don't know how it goes. I'm, you know, not an insider or something, but I just know, <laughs> you know, dealing with something like that, you know, after hearing the news, I think producers and directors are going to be more inclined to ask around, you know, you know, get more intel on the the resume of the people they hire, you know, especially these prop people and stuff, because they have a very important job, folks. When I say a very uh, important job, I mean, that job, you know, it shows your life depends on it. Your life is at stake. You know, you're dealing with props that can hurt people. You know, you can hurt yourself and stuff like that. So your job is probably the most important job as well as being a stuntman. You know, I don't think uh, prop personnel and stuntmen get enough credit in that industry, but it's, it's very important. And now they're forced to take precautions every time there's a action film being produced now from now on here on out. Since this uh, incident occurs, you're going to hear about, you know, the precautionary measures and the procedures they're going to take to make sure that the safety is intact on set because you're, 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 you're investing, you know, five, 10, $20 million in some of these actors and they can't afford, you can't afford to have them hurt. You know, unless you want the stunt man to take over and you're not, you're not paying money to go see the stunt man. Although the stunt men probably can do it better than the actors themselves you know, that's what they're forced to do is something like this that forces them to do something. But the reason why they haven't taken precautions before is because it 
doesn't happen often like I said. It doesn't happen as often as it would as you hear about these stuntmen dying on these dangerous sets of you know, accidents, getting ran over or getting crushed or something like that. Getting shot and killed on set of a movie has only happened about two or three times. Two times that I know of. One we just covered with uh, Brandon Lee with The Crow. You know, that was tragedy in itself because Brandon Lee's acting range was going to expand beyond, you know, action movies. You know, he had did Showdown in Little Tokyo and Rapid Fire, among a few other films, and was on the Kung Fu TV series with David Carradine and Kia Luke. And then another incident was on a short-lived television show back in the 80s uh, that involved a young man. He was the lead actor. I had just read about this just recently. Uh, I forgot his name. He had died on the set. And he was the lead actor in the series. And, of course, they canceled the series altogether. So, you know, this movie, Rust, was supposed to be a Western, like I said. You know, Alec Baldwin involved, probably an aging gunfighter doing, you know, I don't know the details of it, but it was supposed to be a Western. And now the production is completely shut down. And for all the right reasons, it should be, you know, make sure these actors and these producers, all these people who witnessed this involved, get the proper help mentally upstairs. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they're dealing with it the best way that they can before they resume production or do anything else for the future, you know. Yeah, that, that was the big news for the, like the last three or four weeks was that incident. And, you know, what do, what do we move on to now? You know, in the month of October was a very interesting month. Let's move on to, you know, more happier matters. October, like I just said, was a very interesting month. It had about three or four blockbusters drop. Uh, one was... The latest James Bond movie. That did very well at the box office. Another was... Um, what, what? Another was... Uh, oh yeah, Halloween. That did pretty well. The, the last Halloween movie. You know, I didn't really care for that too much. Just like I didn't care for the last one too much. But since it was on streaming and pirated... I watched it. I didn't go to the movies to watch it. And um, it was a very interesting moment. It was a, a, several of the companies could make money despite what was going on in this pandemic. And they were all competing with each other. And also, you know, October is the month that you watch a lot of horror movies. A lot of horror came out. Like, I think Don't Breathe 2 came out at the beginning of the month. I didn't see that yet, but I did don't like I did absolutely enjoy Don't Breathe One with uh Stephen Lang. You know, now I want to see part two. He's supposedly actually the hero in part two now. But I'm I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna peep that. But a lot of horror movies came out, but one horror movie in particular that came out was not a horror movie, but instead a television series by the name of Chucky. Based off the Child's Play franchise. And man, that show is everything. I mean, from the trailers I was sold. Every episode is fantastic. It's well formatted, thought out, planned. And it's executed greatly. My only 
concern is, and many of you may not agree because this is the era we live in, is it was too much virtue signaling. But of course, you got to understand who you're dealing with. The main showrunner himself is is gay, is openly gay, is you know, and you understand that. But it's a lot of virtue signaling there, and a lot of it's kind of like really unnecessary. But it wasn't really forced because they were building up the tensions between you know same sex relationships between two people, and you know. But it did not take away from the overall story of what they're doing. And you can see that hopefully, you know, this season we get cliffhangers and we get a season two and possibly more movies out of the franchise, in which he did say uh, the main franchise uh, is going to continue with more movies. Don Mancini said um, for that. But the month of October was very interesting. I mean, I revisited some horror movies and stuff like that. I watched Hellraiser Phantasm, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I watched Friday the 13th. Well, I watched Friday the 13th uh, the month before that. Or was it in August? The, la the last Friday the 13th. And uh, I watched uh, other hits like Deadly Friend and Evil Dead and... Um, Night of the Creeps, Monster Squad, you know, just absolute classics. And something that I said on the previous podcast is the 80s dominated horror. No, the, the horror dominated 80s, excuse me. And there's no doubt I'm not going to debate with anybody. And I said, name one genre that was consistent in the 80s like horror. I would say the second genre was probably the action genre with Sly Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis and all of them. But every so often, it was only, you know, a good action film once every year, starting in about 1984 or 5 or something like that. Well, actually, every year, it was only one or two good action films. In horror, each year, there was about five or more good to great horror films. In the 80s. But the month of October just did not belong to horror though. Like I said, the new James Bond flick came out. Uh, something else came out. Something, didn't something else uh, came out. It wasn't Candyman. It was something else. I need to really look. Let me, let me, let me look at something like right quick. So you won't, you know, so this won't drag on. But I'm going to look. Yep, give me a second. Aha. Uh -huh. And then you got to look at streaming and Netflix. Dune came out. That did very well. The last dude that did not come out, uh, that did not do well at all. Antlers, I'm not really sure how that did. Um, I don't think that did very well because there was no news on it. The Adams Family uh, 2, uh, that came on streaming, I believe. Venom came out, uh, the, that, let there be carnage. That did very well. The many saints of Newark that did more well, more so on streaming than it did, um, in the movies. I heard that was very good. You had to watch the Sopranos to watch that. You know, they went with the TV show first and then the movies, whereas Chucky went from the movies first, then the television show. And now they're going to go back to movies. And I know they're going to go back to doing a television show after the Many Saints of Newark. 
The French Dispatch heard that was good, but I don't think that did so well at the uh, box office. The Last Night uh, in Soho heard that was pretty good, but I don't think that did very well. But all of them either did well at the box office, critically, or both. But I've heard some of these movies weren't very good. But let's let's go down the list. No Time to Die. This James Bond movie was delayed several times. And I can remember when our guest starred on uh, my friend's podcast, he was saying Batman wouldn't have done well in October if he had to go against all these movies. Well, of course not. But Batman got delayed because of COVID, as these movies were too. These movies were delayed because of COVID. These are not the original release dates of these movies I just named. And who's to say that they wouldn't suffer going up against the Batman movie? The Batman movie got moved, moved back to March, March 4th of 2022. No Time to Die originally was supposed to come out something like in April. As was Dune. Dune was supposed to come out in like June or something like that, or, you know, May. The last duel, I'm not sure. Halloween Kills got delayed like a year. Antlers, I don't know about that, or The Adams Family too. Let There Be Carnage got delayed about six months. Um, the Many Saints of Newark, you know, I'm not sure if that really got delayed. Uh, I'm not sure about that because I really wasn't keeping up with it. The French Dispatch, uh, there was news about that for a long time. And I thought that movie had already came out, to be honest. So I think that got delayed as well. The Last Night in Soho, that's... I'm not sure if that was a delay or anything like that, but, you know. And also, we got to look at what's been going on in um, in streaming as well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy that streaming puts out so much good content and you ain't really got to pay a dime except for your monthly fee. And if you know the secret, you probably ain't got to take pay anything. And, you know, that's crazy, you know, and what was the best movie that came on streaming this year in any platform? Name them, Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, Peacock. Hell, even throw Tubi Plex, Pluto, Roku Channel. You know, what, what was the best movie? Now, the hottest thing that's coming out that has came out is a movie called The Harder They Fall. And what I think about that movie, it was a very good movie, well-directed, well-acted. And it kind of reminded me of Once Upon a Time in the West, a black version of Once Upon a Time in the West minus certain elements. One element in particular is the so-called damsel who's the object of these men's desires but she's not a damsel in distress. She's basically the object of all these men's desires in that that movie. But no, in this movie, there is no uh, woman like that. She, you know, the the women in this movie, you know, held their own. They got in on the action. They were only the object of the desires of one man and probably one man only. You know, stagecoach Mary and and, and Regina King's character. 
they were in on the action. They weren't just, you know, looking pretty and acting well like, you know, Claudia Cardinal as Jim Jill McBain in Once Upon a Time in the West. But all other elements were intact as this, you know, pretty much the same plot, which involved money and land and, you know, bandit gangs doing their thing and, you know, somebody wanting their revenge and stuff. It had the same plot elements. But I would not compare this to Once Upon a Time in the West because Once Upon a Time in the West is a gem. It, it's it's registered in the Library of Congress. You know, this movie here has its own thing, but it's, it takes the same plot elements. And I liked it. I liked it a lot. Other, um, something else that they viewed on Netflix that is controversial, of course, but very good if you keep an open mind of what's going on is Colin Kaepernick's uh, documentary by Ava DuVernay, who produced it, who's the showrunner, his uh, documentary, you know, Colin in Black and White. It was very good, and it opens your eyes to certain stuff, stuff you knew and stuff you may not have known. Folks, understand something. Colin Kaepernick is biracial, but he's looked at as a black man. Because he has hair like Afro-textured hair. You know, he's darker than white folks and stuff like that. And that's how they looked at him. That's how he was perceived. And he was caught up in, you know, he was raised by a great family. But they were a little naive to what was going on. They were naive to the other side of the coin. As was Colin, but Colin gravitated to the other side of the coin because he saw people that looked like him, talked like him, and walked like him. You got to watch the documentary to see what I'm talking about. And those that have, have seen it will agree to this. I mean, it's not rocket science. Another thing that has came on streaming, this coming on Amazon Prime, is uh they did a television series of I Know What You Did Last Summer, and I've been watching that because I'm a sucker for whodunits. But this series is pretty good. The only down, the only downer I have about this is it's not as much killing. Not as much killing because they can't just off any and everybody and not figure out who it, who, who it is. And I think we have two more episodes of that. It's on Amazon Prime. I know what you did last summer and all the movies are on Amazon Prime as well. And um, they have two episodes left. Um, the episode of this week comes out today as I'm recording this today on a Friday so you might want to check that out for those who not been up on it and may be curious on it. But like, you know, you can see there's a pattern, there's a trend here with TV shows being adapted from movies. I mean, we got Chucky. They did it for Scream. They did it for... The Sopranos, well, that's the reverse. Sopranos is a television show adapted 
uh, a is a television show and they got a movie adapted from the television show that's a prequel, you know, pre-Tony Soprano. But there's a um a pattern going around. And recently, just yesterday, just yesterday, and I did not know about this because this was made news back in February that they are developing a fatal attraction television series based off the movie from Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. And I'm like, well, you know, I love the movie, but I don't know if a television show or a sequel would do justice, would be any good, because it's only so much you can do with stalker flicks. We've seen every type of stalker flick you can name of on both sides, where the man is stalking the woman or if the woman is stalking the man. There, there are probably 2,500 movies with of those scenarios, all done in every phase. You know, the rapist stalking his, his victim or past victims or, you know, the shy girl, you know, who gets a little attention stalks the guy who gives her the attention, you know, just stuff like that. You know, and it's only so much you can do with that. It's, it's being recycled. You, you can't keep doing it over and over. So I'm, I'm really iffy on this one. I really am. And they talking about a television series. You're talking about multiple episodes. You're talking, you know, 12, 15, 16 episodes with this. I'd be very careful. I do about six episodes. If it's a hit with people and if, if, if the ratings are high, then we continue on. But I'm not going to do 20 episodes about stalking. They already have other television shows that do that as well. So I'm a little iffy on this one. But there's a trend, like I just said a few minutes ago, that uh, they are adapting television shows out of movies where it used to be just the reverse, but they're still doing that. But it's 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 an equal balance now. They are going to be doing a, they say it's a reboot, but it's they say it's more so a TV show of Hellraiser where they cast a transgender person as Pinhead. And boy, did that go over really well. And I'm like, eh, yeah, man. Uh, just cast her as the female son of Bite. So, you know, nobody, nobody would really, you know, make a fuss of it. But, you know, if you want to be controversial, you know, go that route. But, you know, this uh, this transgender woman is being cast as Pinhead. And they're already in production and they're supposed to come out the summer of next year. I don't know how I feel about that either because the last, you know, five or six Hellraisers hasn't really been very good. You know, Hellraiser 1 and 2, I love. Hellraiser 3, I could tolerate. But after part 3, it was like, what else is there to do with Hellraiser? Then they did Bloodline, the Hellraiser and Space thing, and it just didn't go over well. You know, I don't know how I feel about that. And I love Pinhead. But, you know, after part two or three, they should have just stopped. But when something is popular like that, they ain't going to ever stop. Look at Friday the 13th. Look at Nightmare on Elm Street. Look at Leatherface. They're not going to stop that stuff. They're not going to stop it. Michael Myers. They're not going to stop it. Chucky. They're not going to stop it. Saul. They're not going to stop that. You know, look for news of Jigsaw 2 getting... Green lit or something like that. So, you know, any other, and I'm trying to think of any other shows. Well, they, they, they also, 
The Equalizer was a television show in the 80s and they made two movies of them. Love both movies with Denzel and then they went back to doing a television show this time with a female as a lead, Queen Latifah. And from all, from, from what I heard, that show is very good, but people were ready to, to, to dump on it and not give it a chance. But I heard that show was very good. And of course, it's probably nothing like the original television show. I mean, the original television show was a was in a class of its own. And that's all there is to say about that. I mean, we, we can't make comparisons of everything, but, you know, sometimes you just got to watch a couple of episodes and give it a chance. You know, I wish other shows got the same kind of, you know, chances that others did, but that's how the, the business works, I guess. All right, what's next? Oh, yeah. What's coming out this month? Let me wet my whistle a bit. All right. What just came out last week was The Eternals. Hey, Marvel fans, you got to take the L. You got to take the L, Marvel fans. I knew from the jump that that movie wasn't very good. It didn't look good, and apparently it wasn't very good. But we're entitled to some... Um, some screw ups, but this right here, you had a lot riding on. This is supposed to be the second coming of Christ when it comes to Avengers movies, right? But just take the L. They drunk the Kool-Aid on Chloe Zhao's uh, Nomadland movie, which was dark droning and had a great actress and Frances McDormand doing the damn thing and stuff. And she won the Oscar for best director of that movie and stuff like that. And Kevin Feige was like, Ooh, let me get her on to do Eternals and stuff like that. Chloe Zhao draws inspiration from Zack Snyder, who some critics or a critic I read wanted to put the blame on for why the movie failed. But I said, let me, let me explain something to you, family. Zack Snyder's movies, some of his movies are dark. We know that, and a lot of people don't like it, and a lot of people do like it. But let me explain one thing that separates Zack Snyder when he does dark and from a couple of other directors like Chloe Zhao who does dark. Zack Snyder always has context in his movies, more so in his darker films, much like Christopher Nolan. They have context behind why their movies are so dark. The execution may be different from those two, but they, 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 they always add context to their movies. From what I'm getting of The Eternals is, there is no context in The Eternals. It just seems like what I get from it is these beings from another planet or wherever come to Earth after the snap or whatever else and it's like, you know, the great migration or something that the, the English settlers and stuff come into the new world and stuff. And they're trying to adapt. Sounds like a, a poignant, touching story. But, you know, where is the execution? You're dealing with superheroes with powers. Where Where is the, the, the context, the execution? Where's the action? And not much was said about the action except for 
They had a couple of action scenes, but it seemed like it dragged on a little bit too much. Basically long for nothing. And the critics weren't feeling it. And maybe, you know, whoever was the head of Disney, you know, maybe the head game got weak or something to blow these critics off to give them a good review. I don't know. Because it ain't this ain't like this is the first bad Marvel movie. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can get I can dive into that all day, but I'm not going to. But this movie here is bad. Bad, bad. This movie is bad, bad. And people want to sweeten sugar coat and try to justify and compare it to other movies. And I'm like. Okay. Don't go ahead, man. But I, I can't believe y'all actually thought this movie was going to set off a new trend and do all these wonderful, amazing things. And I'm like, nah, bro. Half of the people can't even tell you what this is, but they're just going to go watch anyway because it's Marvel and they always do well at the box office. and They get great reviews and yay, yes, give me a happy meal. You know, they're happy meal movies, man. They lack context in their movies, most of them. The ones I do like have context in it, like the Captain America movies. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier series has it. Loki has it. The Thor movies suck ass, but, you know, but they, they, they have context in there. They have context in the TV shows, those two TV shows, and in those movies I just named. The rest is, is, is formulic, you know, cater to the kids, and that's that. No old shit moments, no, no, no moments that really stand out to make you go, oh, I didn't see that coming. But that's that's what it is. That's what you're dealing with. This movie um, will not break even at the box office either. I think the jury is out and people is like, well, you know, I'll, I'll wait for Disney Plus. I'll wait for streaming. But Shang-Chi did the business at the box office, but Black Widow did not. Black Widow was a decent movie at best, but I've already pointed out what was good and bad about that. But I didn't have a podcast to point out that. Black Widow had its moments, but it wasn't a great movie. It could have been on the same scale as, let's say, Winter Soldier. It was not. There was certain stuff missing and it just felt like it was certain stuff missing and it stuff didn't add up. So, and I'm getting a worse vibe with Eternals. I'll probably peep a few scenes of Eternals whenever I get the chance, but I'm in, I'm not, you know, Ooh, I got to see this movie at all costs because, you know, this movie doesn't do it for me. It got some actors in it that I like, but you know, I can wait. No big deal. All right, next up, that's dropping, that's dropped uh, actually yesterday, which is Thursday, but drops officially today, is Clifford the Big Red Dog. Now, I'm going to admit, I'll make a confession to you. I actually want to see this movie because, you know, I, I actually have a soft spot for Clifford the Big Red Dog, man. That 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 cartoon sh- 
series was good. It was great for kids. You know, you know, you had to have a soft spot for it. It had some engaging characters in it. And by all means, Clifford deserves a movie. And, and you know, I've read the scores. I haven't read too many of the reviews or anything like it. And, you know, by all means, by people who've seen it, it's a great family movie. It's great for kids, great for adults. You have a good time and, and that's all that matters. But for the life of me, what are these critics looking forward to? What are they looking for in these type of movies? Are they expecting Citizen Kane in this type of movie? Are they expecting Alien, Terminator 2? Are they expecting Chinatown? What are they expecting in a movie like Clifford the Big Red Dog? This is why I say you should not read critic reviews. Go by what they say on test screenings. Leave it up to them to over-critique something that ain't meant to be over-critiqued. Make your own judgment. Go see the movie, make your own judgment, and that's that. But please, for the love of God, stay off the internet, leave the spoilers alone, and, you know, you'll be fine. But even they can ruin it for kids and adults who, you know, still bring the kid out of, out of them, they'll ruin it for them. But I'm pretty sure the reviews are ridiculous for that because I've seen the score to it. So far on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 48% the last I checked. It may have gone down. It might have gone up. I don't know. It rarely goes back up once it's set in stone. It usually goes down or stays the same for X amount of time. But I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to peek that, man. Just for some good old-fashioned family fun, I'm just going to peep that and leave it at that. Next up, that's coming out next week, and I've been waiting my entire childhood for this, folks. And by all, from what I've heard, everything is good, and I cannot wait for it, is Ghostbusters, the afterlife. This is 20 years overdue this is about 20 years overdue seriously the last Ghostbusters came out in 1989 you would probably think at least by hmm, 1999 2000 2001 we would have had Ghostbusters 3 one more one more outing before they got really old and they started dying off one of the original Ghostbusters who's no longer with us, who passed away about five or six years ago, or seven years ago, is Harold Ramis, the late, great Harold Ramis, who played Egon Spangler. He wanted to get it in. He, he felt, I think just talking to him, he felt he could have got two more in. Just looking at his past interviews. He could have got about two more in. I believe him too. And he was basically the brains behind it. And of course you had Dan Aykroyd. He contributed. Bill Murray, he contributed. Ernie Hudson was a guy that they bought in on it. But you best believe Ernie Hudson became involved in the development process after the second one. He, he felt that him... Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, and Dan Aykroyd were so enthusiastic that they could have definitely got Ghostbusters 3 and a Ghostbusters 4 before they said, okay, let's hand the reins off to the younger generation. Bill Burry, on the other hand, 
was not as enthusiastic. And of course, you know, he was getting more jobs than the rest of them. Him and Ernie Hudson were probably the two guys that were working more steadily than the other two as far as acting. And Bill Murray had went on several interviews, was like, you know, I don't want to do a Ghostbusters 3 unless the script is really right. And, you know, there were rumors that he was saying, you know, no, I don't want to do Ghostbusters 3 because don't nobody want to see old men chasing ghosts or something to that effect. And I'm like, wow, man. But I will say this. I had read something else that uh, people may, while wow, people may come off to say that Bill doesn't really care about that franchise. He doesn't care, but I was like, I read something. When the real Ghostbusters uh, cartoon series came out, he put in a complaint that the voice actor who voiced Peter Vinkman sounded too much like Garfield. It was the same guy who did Garfield, Lorenzo Music, who's no longer with us. Rest in peace. He is the voice of Garfield. And, you know, you can see it. He was voicing Garfield and using Garfield's voice in Peter Vinkman. So they said, nah, you, you, you're not the right voice for this. You know, you do sound too much like Garfield. So they went and hired Dave Coulier. You know him from Full House to do Peter Vinkman. So I was like, yeah, Bill actually did at the time care about the character in the 80s, but I don't think he cares now. But he's back. He's back for Ghostbusters Afterlife. And so is Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson. Harold Ramis's um, character is going to be acknowledged. And we're probably going to see a hologramic image and stuff. But it's a shame that we won't see him, you know, as a in a final appearance as a Ghostbuster. When years earlier, we could have gotten two, at least two Ghostbusters films in before they handed the reins to the children and stuff like that. But I'm so excited to see in this movie. Paul Rudd is in this movie. The kid who is in It is in this movie. His name is Finn Wolfert. He played, um, he was the wisecracking, um, he was the wisecracking kid, the one that cracked all the jokes, I think. Yeah. He was in it. He's in this, you know, this movie looks like it's going to be all that in the bag of chips and it, re and it revisits the nostalgia from part one and two, in particular part one, when you see Zool the dog, or, you know, the dog guardian and, you know, you see Stay Puff the Marshmallow Man. You know, I'm very much looking forward to this, man. I can't wait. You know, it might be my first time going back to the movies in a long time and, you know, if I'm, I'm going to see if my boy wants to go see it because, you know, I know he's probably going to be up for it. But, you know, we'll see, man. I can't wait for that, though. All right. What's coming out Thanksgiving? I don't know. What, let me look up something right quick. I'm going to still be talking to you while I look this up because I don't want you to think I'm in long silence. So let me look up something. Ah, yes. Thank you, Google. Thank you, Google. This is from MovieInsider.com. What's coming out? Oh, yeah, the, the House of Gucci. That's came out. Did, did that just come out? Let's see. A Boy Called Christmas, Seven Prisoners, A Castle for Christmas. A lot of Christmas movies coming out. Sons of Monarch. Uh, that's on HBO Max. Sons of Monarchs. Okay. The Heart of They Fall, of course. Eternals. We went through that. 
Finch. That's the new Tom Hanks movie. That's on Apple TV+. Plus. I don't know how I feel about that, except for Tom Hanks just seems to be doing just about anything he wants, just like Nicolas Cage. But what's it about? It stars as Finch, a robotics engineer and one of the few survivors of a cataclysmic solar event that has left the world a wasteland. Basically post-apocalyptic, but lighthearted. It looks very lighthearted. But Finch, who has been living in an underground bunker for a decade, has built a world of his own that he shares with his dog, Goodyear. Now, though Finch is terminally ill, with time running out, he creates a robot to watch over Goodyear when he, is, he no longer can. As the trio embark on a perilous journey into desolate American West, Finch strives to show his creation, who names himself Jeff, the joy and wonder of what it means to be alive and to teach him to become human enough to take care of Goodyear. And Goodyear himself must learn to accept and trust his new master. Hmm. Sounds interesting, though. That, that does sound interesting. All right, what's... That, that sounds interesting, and it got a four out of five stars, so I don't know where, when did when did this drop? Doesn't say. But it's out on Apple Plus TV, apparently. One shot. Uh, He'll have no fury. The electrical life of Louis Wayne. A piece of cake. Love Hard, Dangerous, Anonymous Animals, IDA Read, I don't know all this. Just scrolling down. Okay, man. Yeah. Let me go to another site. Movie Phone. Oh, yeah, the Spider-Man movie comes out. Licorice Pizza. House of Gucci. They are saying Lady Gaga might be up for an Oscar in this movie. You know, and Jared Leto might be up for one as well. He looks unrecognizable. You got to look at his eyes to tell if it's him. He put on weight. I mean, the makeup looks good. Um, Jeremy Irons looks like himself. Al Pacino, you can recognize. Of course, Adam Driver, he looks like himself. And Lady Gaga, you know, it's kind of her. But they say she's up for an Oscar for this one, man. So look out for that. Licorice pizza. This is a movie about two friends that grow up and then they fall in love with each other. Elena Kane and Gary Valentine in San Fernando Valley, California in 73 by Paul Thomas Anderson. Coming of age, fall, we, we fall in love movie. Okay. If you into that, if you dig that, check that out. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Just went through that. King Richard. That comes out next week as well. That is about Venus and Serena's rise to being tennis prodigies. Thanks to their father. Will Smith is in that. And all you Will Smith fans, I know y'all going to be checking that out as well. That. It's going to be on HBO Max as well. That and Ghostbusters are probably the movies I'm going to be checking out next week. A lot of Christmas movies, of course. You know that. Red Notice. That that comes out today. Red Notice comes out today. That's with The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. Three superstars. 
this is a a, a crime comedy movie where you know a crime you know pro, you know where pros and cons meet you know a, a test of wits a game of wits they try to outwit each other and try to smart each other you know with a lot of blunders and shenanigans that should be interesting as well you know it's bound to be a lot of action you know some humor and stuff that's interesting so that comes out today november 12th check it out on netflix i'm surprised that this isn't a theatrical movie they may probably try to do that give it a limited release Clifford the Big Red Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom. Also, what came out um, was Army of Thieves. That was number one for a stretch on Netflix, the prequel to uh, Army of the Dead. Zack Snyder film. Zack Snyder produced this prequel. And he will be producing a movie called The Rebel Moon, which stars Sophia Batella so far. Hopefully, he will get Ray Fisher on that, Jake, because fans are crying for Ray Fisher to be cast in that movie as well. And I hope he does. That would be awesome. Ray Ray deserves it. Father of Flies. What's, what's, what's this? A lot of Christmas movies, man. Oh, yeah, and Cowboy Bebop. I think that's coming out on Netflix uh, this month, this week, or something like that. That's apparently supposed to be good, but I'm not sure, though. What's next? Being, being Black and Porn. That comes out uh, December 1st. Okay. That would be interesting for all y'all freaks and perverts. <laughs> now that I said something, y'all curious to watch it. But next month, the one movie that I think a lot of us want to see is The Matrix Resurrections. I think um, part of me, a small part of me is telling me that the movie might not be very good. Then... The other huge part says it'll be a success because you're dealing with a rebooted version of the Matrix world and the characters are resurrected to some capacity. That's what we're dealing with. That's what I think is, is going to go down with that. And Keanu Reeves being the star that everybody loves now, you know, I think he's greatly appreciated the last maybe close to a decade since he did John Wick. He's more so everybody's fan favorite now than he ever was before, you know, when he was doing The Matrix, when he was doing Speed and Chain Reaction and um, Point Break and all that stuff. Now he's the guy that you want to go to the movies and see now. He's one of those guys that you start to appreciate better because you find out he's just as human as you you and I. And it, I think as you as the fans say, that's a thank you to him. But others deserve that same treatment as well. You find out that they're, you know, they're, they're probably just as regular as you are and do regular stuff and don't get caught up in the glamour of everything. And another actor that reminded me of that 
was uh, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson had been acting uh, since the late 40s or so, something like that. You know, because he had served in the army. He had served in the army in World War II, got out of World War II and took up acting. And he had been acting on stage and stuff like that early, early on and got into movies, bit parts and stuff like that. And for better half of 20 years, you know, he didn't become the star like he hoped to be until the early 70s, where he became the highest grossing superstar in Hollywood in the early 70s. From about 1971 to about 1974, he was the highest grossing star in Hollywood at the time. And people started to appreciate him more once they they found out about his background a little bit more. Found out that, you know, he was a good old boy from Pennsylvania. Well, he wasn't a good old boy. He was from Pennsylvania, coal mining country, a farmer and stuff, grew up poor, had nothing, served in the army you know, did battle, you know, worked regular odd jobs while being an actor and stuff like that. And people started appreciating that and really starting to appreciate his movies and stuff. And that's what we got with Keanu Reeves now. So, you know, that's what we doing here. All right. This concludes today's episode of the Mad Nucleus Podcast. I hope you all enjoy. And as I promise, I bring you more entertainment in the future weeks to come. We'll be talking about more, you know, box office results, what have you, critical reception, what you really thought of a movie, what you think of a TV show, more TV shows, you know, what the industry is doing going forward with safety, how also how they're dealing with um With people who abuse power, I didn't choose to get into that because it would have took away more of the focus of what we're dealing with. And we'll be talking about more of that as well. But until then, I'll see you next time. And y'all have a good one. Peace. I'm out.